and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Startup Soiree podcast. Uh, happy to also say Happy New Year, albeit this may not be our first podcast that is launching uh, in 2016. This is absolutely the first podcast that I am recording uh, in 2016, and it's happening right on New Year's Day. Uh, I am excited to be out in the community again recording this as opposed to doing it on Skype like we normally do. I'm over uh, in the east side of Baltimore City, uh, up on top of the old American Brewery building, which has been kindly uh, cared for and redeveloped by Humanum uh, over the last few years. And let me just say that this space is epic, to say the very least. Hopefully we'll find out a way to bring some Startup Soiree programming here over the next year, so all of you fine folks can come and see it for yourself. Um, also very excited to have uh, JJ Reedy from Urban Pastoral as our guest today. Uh, JJ's been up to a whole lot, which you will hear about shortly. Um, but before we get to that, JJ, welcome to the Startup Soiree podcast. Thanks, Patrick. It's, uh, it's great to be here. And uh, yeah, again, Happy New Year to everyone. It's, uh, it's exciting to uh, connect with other entrepreneurs here in Baltimore. Going to be a crazy year in Baltimore. So before we get into... Um, the, the nuts and bolts of growing greens inside of a shipping container. Why don't you give us a little quick background on yourself and, and how you ended up where you are? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I, I have a pretty unconventional background, I would say, like, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs out there. Um, you know, I started, I, I've been cooking and, and gardening my entire life. You know, I have, uh, came from typical American immigrant family. My father's, uh, my grandfather's from Italy. It really influenced me, uh, you know, growing up, cooking with my family, having our, you know, our gardens in, in Buffalo, and uh, kind of as time went on, you know, I, I, I've been, been doing a lot of traveling and, and looking at how, you know, the, the influence of, of food and, and cultures around the world, and that's always really, really fascinated me, and then, um, you know, kind of more of my, my professional career, I, I, I've been in, in the startup, startup world since day one, I, I kind of got my start at uh, Living Social over in uh, Washington, D.C. And, um, you know, over there, it kind of one of the really big emerging startup scenes over, over in Washington in the last 10 years, uh, kind of see that turn into its own little Silicon Valley. So I was, you know, over there, helped kind of scale that company. And uh, that's when I, I think I really started to catch that, you know, entrepreneurship bug over there of, um, you know, building and cultivating. I've always had, you know, felt such a, sense of accomplishment out of, um, you know, building things, whether it was, you know, a garden or, you know, biz, you know, internal business or, you know, shaping something with your family. It's always been super rewarding. So while I was over there, I was, you know, launching new initiatives, um, forming partnerships with anywhere from your mom and pop restaurants and, and local business to large, uh, you know, multinational firms. And uh, it was, uh, it was pretty fascinating. And then, you know, it kind of started to, to, to turn back to, to what I really wanted to do. You know, I, I think like most entrepreneurs, you start to um, think about, you know, building your own, your own dream. And uh, for me, it all, again, comes back to food. So, you know, I, I decided to leave, uh, you know, the startup bustle in D.C. And I uh, moved, to, moved to Vermont uh, for a while where I lived on an organic farm commune um, and I helped run a 50-acre farm and commercial bread business and uh, kind of 
got my first real business education. I, I like to see it, you know, running farmers markets, you know. So I thought that that was, you know, really the dawn of commerce is in the lifeblood of the community is in the market. So, um, you know, I, I think I learned way more about business uh, in any respect that running farmers markets than, than working um, in any commercial business. And then, you know, decided, um, you know, started to, to, to follow this movement of, of urban agriculture and, and uh, you know, the cultivation of, of sustainable cities and, and started to see these crazy companies in, in Montreal, Vancouver, and New York that were looking at underutilized spaces in cities and, and, and turning them into um, areas of, of food production. And I kind of saw right there that combination of, of technology and, um, and partnerships and collaboration um, and food. And I, I knew that right there, it's kind of, that's what I was meant to do. So I started to kind of pursue that and uh, ended up coming back to, you know, going to Baltimore uh, to Hopkins to get my, my MBA, uh, kind of with the mission to, to, to start what would eventually be, um, you know, urban pastoral here. So I kind of used my, uh, my academic experience as kind of my two-year incubator and, uh, you know, really versed myself in what was going on in, in, in Baltimore and uh, kind of really felt at home here starting, uh, starting this concept and uh, it's been pretty incredible so far. How old is Urban Pastoral at this point? Um, I would say that, you know, from, from the concept that came in, it, it's been around since about 2013 okay. um, and we incorporated last year officially. So that's, you know, kind of, uh, you know, when we really got started as, uh, you know, I like to say a business. Great. So I want to, um, real quick, I want to, I want to pick on what you said about, um, markets uh, being you know kind of like the, the centerpiece of commerce and, and community and you know feeling like you learned a lot of very specific business lessons there mm -hmm. uh, you know like you've gone through business school and you've been part of the startup community and I think at this point that is almost a more traditional set of skills that people get exposed to so I'm, I'm curious if you would elaborate a little bit on some of those those lessons that you feel like you learn at the market because those feel very proprietary probably to you. Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, it's it just a lot of it is, is very simplistic. It's looking at, you know, it's like comparing the market to, to, to Wall Street right now. It's, it, it's, it's super real. You know, if you look at it, you, you remove money um, and, and, and you remove all these kind of superficial things that that are almost integral to, to modern economies and, and you go down to the, the nuts and bolts of, of selling and trading physical goods. And, and what I love especially specifically about Vermont's, you know, the market also intersects with the sustainable, um, you know, sustainable community. So in, in, in Vermont and a lot of these, these little like farm communities, everyone produces a good um, and, and everyone, not everyone can produce everything, so you have gaps in what you have and where your need is, someone else provides. And where the joining of that is, is at the marketplace. So what I learned is, you know, classically, when I came into it, you think about farmers markets of, of people selling things and exchanging money at the front of the stall, you're selling your bread, you're selling your, your produce, but, but really on the back end, it is, it's more about the interaction of, of the farmers that are there more than necessarily the people. And, and it's the behind the scenes of, okay, saying, you know, I, I worked at, you know, our farm, 
we didn't have dairy, we didn't do livestock. So, you know, behind the scenes, my currency over there w was bread um, and it was produce. And it's, you know, sharing uh, and exchanging with people. To me, that was, you know, it, it's very simplistic, but it, it was pretty profound seeing that I, I never used money for, for, you know, a few months while I was there, you know, the entire time. We're all, we're all trading and, and seeing what we have and what others don't have and, and where these needs lie. Uh, and where those needs lie, you know, it's, it's creating these like miniature simplistic solutions to, and, and at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's, it's small, but it's, uh, it's a microcosm of, of how society should be. And it's almost a shame that we've moved so far away from that. Being able to barter. Yeah, yeah. Barter it's, to help each other get, get to the next. Yeah, and, and just looking at, you know, it, it, it's, it's sustainable and, and, you know, again, we, we are so reliant on these gilded, flawed systems. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, these, these systems are eventually, not, not to get fatalistic or um, like the world is going to end, but a lot of these things are going to fail. Uh, and, and we need to be more sustainable and, and self-reliant in, um, in, in how we manage things, especially as cities. Totally. So. Um, why don't you give, because I'm sure a lot of people that are going to be listening today uh, are going to be like juggling between uh, their podcast player and their Chrome app right now <laughs> to Google Urban Pastoral. So why don't, you, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what, you know, what Urban Pastoral actually is? Yeah. So I look at us as a, a next generation development firm um, w with a pension for, for precision agriculture. So, so we really use... At, in essence, we use food as, as a catalyst um, for social and economic change in Baltimore. Uh, but more specifically, uh, you know, we use our expertise um, by uh, deploying and operating and, and financing uh, high-tech urban farms, which we you know, place in strategic areas throughout the city. Uh, and, and what we do is kind of create this model for, um, for food hubs and, and economic development in certain areas, so we form partnerships in, in these ecosystems. I call it like, you know, these uh, food hubs in, in many ways by forming partnerships with local government, real estate developers, and buyers. Um, so we can kind of set up shop in these areas like East Baltimore um, and, and find populations that 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 need work, uh, create jobs, and also create jobs, you know, specifically around food. Um, and what's Amazing about the, the technology that we use, um, it kind of creates this new model uh, for farming that's economically sustainable and, and, and very environmentally efficient. Um, so we can produce uh, thousands of pounds of, of fresh local greens year-round um, for the local community, feeding you know, hospitals and, and institutions and schools uh, and, and also local marketplaces. Um, and, and at the end of the day, the, the larger picture is I see this is creating kind of a new model for, for urban regeneration um, and, and kind of looking at our starting places is right here in Baltimore and, and how we can use food, uh, this most common uh, necessity and, and one of the greatest connectors on the planet um, as this catalyst to, to really uh, change, change the city and, and why we're here in Baltimore. Um, it, it's just looking at, um, you know, it, it's a classic story of the post-industrial city. And that's what I've really, you know, connected with. It, it's taking cities like Buffalo, Baltimore, um, that that were former economic hubs for manufacturing, and seeing, okay, what is the city going to look like 
for the next 50 years. Uh, it, it's, it, it's really bringing back these new industries um, that are really going to you know, transform and write the next chapter for what Baltimore and, and other cities could be. <laughs> See, what, I think one of my favorite things about being able to be here right now, and by here I mean both in Baltimore and in this conversation with you, is that I feel this unique opportunity exists for, for people like yourself and, and myself to really be um, about the places that we came from for the commitment to them and their potential as opposed to lamenting that we're not somewhere else and figuring out how we become more like somewhere else, right? So instead of pining to be Washington, D.C. or Manhattan or Los Angeles or San Francisco, you know, this idea that we, we recognize the great qualities that those places have, but we also recognize two things. One, the things that aren't great about them, and two, what they've had to sacrifice to become what they are in terms of like the, the, the specific history to those, to those actual places. And, you know, what I love is that there are a ton of people that are here that are working on the types of solutions that you're working on and, and ideally working on the kinds of solutions for uh, building community amongst businesses that, that I'm working on that are going to help to really pioneer what that model is for these, um, you know, what most people would consider secondary cities in our country to prosper by, you know, the, these paths through where, you know, what does Baltimore's renaissance look like and how do we make it um, something that is more complementary to everyone that is there participating in it and we figure out ways to be more inclusive about it, whether that's creating jobs um, out in the, you know, the nether regions of Baltimore City as opposed to thinking about technology and startups and businesses only pertaining to, you know, what, what, what many a journalist in the city will call the inverted T yeah. uh, of like Charles Street and St. Paul and then across the harbor and then, you know, as it swings down into Tide Point. But like, how do we take all of these crazy resources that our city has and capitalize on it and do it in a way that's not for the entity so much as for the body? Uh, and that, to me, is just like the most exciting thing because I do think we're going to get it right. And I do think that in getting it right for the total population, we're going to inspire a lot of other people nationally. But I think that we're going to inspire a lot of people internationally. And, and you know, the, the funny joke is everybody's like Baltimore is like a third world country, right? And Baltimore's worse than a lot of third world countries. Um, and that sucks that that like connotation exists, but it also means that we're going to be more easily comparable to a greater number of places, and the solutions that we come up with here will be um, scalable in a greater number of places because more places suffer the struggles that we deal with every day in Baltimore than suffer the struggles that people deal with in San Francisco or in Los Angeles or in Boston. Um, and to me, that's like the cool thing. I think that's the thing that gets me so excited at coming and meeting everyone and getting to like, you know, it's why I'm so stoked to go walk into the, into the shipping container and see where you guys are on, on, you know, like harvest number two or like approaching harvest number two because, you know, it's the proof in the pudding. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's incredible. And, and I love what you're saying 
And, and we've seen this, this international sense of, of, of looking to Baltimore and having, we face many problems here that echo at an international level. And, and we, our, our company, we, we, we've gone, you know, I've done work in, in, in Africa with the State Department and we just got back. Um, we were working uh, in, in Milan with a lot of brands like Microsoft and FedEx and, and the State Department at the Expo in Milan. And, there was companies from around the world talking about things going on in, in their areas, um, you know, Ghana, Italy, Europe, you know, all, all over the place. And, and when we were talking about Baltimore, people were, were, were more interested in, in what's going on in this, in this secondary city than, than many other places in, in the world because exactly what you're saying, that the, these problems that we're facing, also the revival that's happening, more, more importantly, um, you know, it, it, it has implications that are, that are absolutely global. And uh, whether people realize that or not, um, you know, it's that that that's the big question. <laughs> so for um, so for for Urban Pastoral at the moment, this is the one container that you have going on now. So you're in kind of like a pilot period of time where you're actually producing crops and then you're getting them out to the marketplace wherever that may be. What does the next you know what does the next eight months look like for you? Definitely. So, so yeah, right, right now, you know, we're operating our container, which we call Box Up. You know, we've created what I see as kind of like two plat, you know, agricultural platforms. And, and really, this Box Up platform, it, it's, it's a great pilot right now because, you know, out there, there are companies that, that build monstrous multi-million dollar greenhouses, um, you know, or, you know in, in different markets across the globe. And eventually, we'd like to get to the point where we can have an effect uh, a massive effect on, on food production in Baltimore, but we wanted to, to, to start small and, and, and kind of uh, experiment and, and innovate in the marketplace. So, you know, launching this, um, you know, it's, it's been great to get us to, to start work, working with, um, you know, buyers um, and, and really establish ourselves and, and get that supply chain going. And, and next steps really look at, um, you know, expanding um, these different facilities in, in areas across Baltimore. So right now, you know, one of our very exciting partnerships is, is Humanum. The, the building that we're in right now is, um, you know, looking at uh, the Baltimore Food Hub, for example, is, is the next project for us where we look to, to take over um, a warehouse over there um, that's about 7,000 square feet uh, and have an entire building that is completely geared towards food production. So, so looking at aquaculture, hydroponics, insect production, all these different facets to, to really create um, an ecosystem uh, where waste doesn't exist. Uh, so, so we want to have the, these different areas. Um, so looking at uh, East Baltimore, kind of setting up you know, food hubs here. Uh, so we have that project, um, which we hope will probably be you know, around 2017. Um, and then kind of in the next six months, we're, we're working on uh, expanding to, to launch about four more containers um, in different areas. We're, we're speaking with Johns Hopkins about potentially in, in different academic institutions about bringing food production right to the source. Right now, we're, we're selling our greens to, to Hopkins and kind of talking to uh, some local chefs in the area. But I'd really like to completely eliminate the distance from farm to fork. So it's finding those, those areas where we have our buyers and we have our consumers in the, in the same place where we can get, you know, the, the people in the community involved in the production and also, you know, the consumption and create these little eco markets there. 
Um, so that's one end, that's East Baltimore, but ultimately the big vision kind of culminates um, with uh, a project that we'll have going probably in the next two years at Green Street Academy in West Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And that's an area I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about because it, it's kind of an area that's very neglected in, in our city. East Baltimore, we have institutions like Johns Hopkins and in West Baltimore, you drive out on the highway, they call it the highway to nowhere. Um, and, and to me, that's that's horrible. You know, you have this this amazing community out there that's literally just has all this latent potential, um, and and we found this amazing institution, GSA, that's 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 really creating a model for education, like we were just saying, that has really amazing international impacts. I I think they're really revolutionizing the way education will be, by kind of moving away from these state. Um, sanctions that really tie down how they can develop their curriculum and, and they have a huge focus on sustainability and agriculture and, and what we're excited to, to work with them to look at is again looking at Baltimore creating this new industry and, and this new industry around food, agriculture, technology um, and, and what this new workforce will be like. So, so, so taking these kids that, that come from neighborhoods in, in West Baltimore and saying that Hey, you know, um, you can go to college. That's great, but but you really don't have to. You know, there's so many other different pathways. You know, you can learn uh, whether it's design thinking, it's it's software development, but also looking at this this agricultural technology. So, we're going to be developing, working with them to develop these these programs and these certificates where kids can can get these professional certificates in in, in different fields like sustainable agriculture or, or or learn how to code like things that go on at at, at the digital harbor front um, and and where kids can come out and and we're basically opening up completely different pathways in and showing them you know that it, it goes beyond college and you can you can go into entrepreneurship so we'll be looking to build a, a forty thousand square foot greenhouse right um, on on campus um, and, and that greenhouse alone can create over fifty jobs and, and we can start to and that facility alone be producing one million pounds um, of produce per year. So, so once we get at, at, at that level, you know, we're starting to answer the question of, of our goal is, can we feed the entire city of Baltimore and the city of Baltimore? Can the industry that, that we're hoping to, to move forward, can that lower unemployment by a percentage? And, and can we really start to define what these farmers of the future will look like? And, and it's, you know, looking at my team, you know, we have data scientists, we have real estate developers, we have farmers. And what I want to show these kids where, you know, they're in class with their science professor and, and they're learning about, you know, these, these new technologies like hydroponics, aquaponics, aeroponics. And then the teacher can say, hey kids, look out the window. See this, these guys, urban pastoral, they're, they're, you know, they have this profitable business um, and they're, they're making an impact in the community and you can not only learn about it in the classroom, you can go work with these guys and, and we, can, we can have them, you know, develop these, um, you know, these skills to, to work in our network and, and become uh, entrepreneurs themselves. Um, because ultimately that's where I see our, our impact going is, is cultivating the farmers of the future and helping these these kids, um, you know, start their own businesses and, and really empower the community. Um, and and that, that's, that's how I was inspired to start my business, by, by seeing others um, and working with others. Um, and, you know, we hope to do the same and, and really allow these, these kids to, um, to take hold of, 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 of the next generation of Baltimore. 
So I have two questions for you, and um, one might be a little bit more difficult than the other, and I hope that I, you don't mind me putting you <laughs> on the spot, but I have a feeling you've been, you've been asked it before, and that is, <clears throat> so re reducing the distance between farm and fork. Yeah. Um, makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. Not only is it fresher, uh, not only does it reduce the carbon footprint of needing to like truck these goods in, um, but on the other side of it, it also it, it puts a challenge to our like uh, our farms, right? And and there's certainly a conversation that's been happening over the last twenty or twenty five years about um, sustainability of farmers and farm life and that kind of whole thing. I'm curious how those two kind of meet each other because I would you know. Certainly, you're thinking about it because you come from that. You know, like that's that's your your personal history is having literally come up in Buffalo, working on farms in Vermont, working on farms. How do those two, you know, meet out for you? So, so, so definitely, like I, I think that the the notion of of our food system at a national level and local it's extremely complex and i think in many ways i think what you're getting at is like the dynamic or, or competition in many ways people say oh you know building these these farms that you're going to put local farmers out of the business out of business and that couldn't be further from the truth you know it, it, it's actually um i you know when i speak about what we're doing there's a lot of education a lot of people don't really know a lot about our food systems in America. And I, I can tell you, we did a study in Baltimore and Maryland alone, 90% of, uh, of the produce that we consume comes from out of state and out of country, 90%. And local, local producers are only capable of filling less than 3% of that demand. Um, so right now that the, the demand for, for food and, 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 and products in Baltimore exceeds supply by a millionfold. You know? So it, it's, competition is not even relevant. Um, so, so looking at you know these local farms, we are right now we're, we're putting our land in, and we're pushing it to the absolute limit. You know we're getting I, I mentioned ninety percent of our food is coming from out of state, out of country. Over over fifty percent of all of the agricultural you know produce specifically that we consume is coming from California, and that that's in the worst drought in human history right now. So right now when we look at what I'm doing is not a hipster trend. It's an absolute necessity. So, so when we look at where we're going to be getting our food and, and how Baltimore is going to survive, if we don't have operations like mine, food prices are already starting to go up with, with these droughts, and, and people are not starting to realize it. But it's, I'm, I'm trying to get our, our government and our cities to realize that we need to act proactive. You know, we, we need to be proactive with this problem. It, it's not... It's not uh, <laughs> it, it keeps me up at night think, thinking about things like this water... And food, and, and and just like also not having this industry, we have about five states in the United States. You know, the the government we've created this hub and spoke model applying principles of manufacturing to food production, which makes sense from a production standpoint. But you can't apply man-made you know principles of manufacturing to ecological processes. Um, and, and what's that? It's created this distance, not only. Uh, physical distance from farm to fork, but emotional distance. And the emotional distance is what ha has had um, far more of a negative impact. So statistics, again, the average distance from farm to fork right now is 1,500 miles. So I, I could talk to you for hours about the ecological uh, impacts of, of what that creates. You know, um, you know, people in California are talking about, oh, I'm not going to shower to save water. But 
Industrial agriculture is a top polluter and consumer of the Earth's fresh water supply. It's the and it's responsible for the lion's share of carbon emissions. You know, because of these distances and because of the way that we we produce and, and our and our soils have been diminished to the points where they they have no um, nutrients and basically we have no genetic diversity in in our crops. And, and again, that that's a that's a whole other subject matter which we could talk about hours for, but. Going back to, to this question in, in the market here, you know, we need more farmers and we need more localized production. Um, because when this system fails, and it will, and I, I've worked with officials at a national level, you know, from the USDA and from, you know, are directly to the White House and directly to the State Department, and this system is completely broken. Um, so looking at, at, at Baltimore, and how we fix this from an economic standpoint, you know, we looked at lettuce, what we're producing right now, and looking at the fact that we're producing so much out of state, that means that not only, you know, food is coming from out of state, but our revenues and our jobs are also going out of state. So in, in a city that has 9% unemployment and 168,000 people living below the poverty line, that's a big deal. So in, in the lettuce category alone, the city of Baltimore is losing over $50 million a year because we don't have production. And that's something that we could easily bring back to the city. $50 million, that's one vegetable category. <laughs> so so, so these, these, these are very basic things. And, and, and you know, when I talk to investors or when I talk to governments, you know, food can can touch on so many different facets that, you know, I, 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 I could find, you know, something relative, um, you know, in, in any respect, you know, connecting food, whether it's real estate, uh, public health, you know, sure. the whole shebang. So what about, I'm curious if you have any opinion about the conversation of our immune systems being destabilized by eating, uh, by eating foods and crops that aren't native to our geographic areas, right? So there's a lot to be said for the reason the, the diet of an Idahoan is what it is, is because those people and their, you know, their personal biology has developed in a way that is complementary to that region, and that re region produces certain types of foods, and those certain types of foods will, uh, you know, sustain and reinforce a body of, of biology that's meant to... to subsist in that space. Um, I remember I was talking to someone um, not too long ago at UMBC actually and he was in the arts program and he was putting together this app that was about foods that are regional but not for the sake of them being regional in a farm to table sense but in the sake of them being regional because it's important to like the biodiversity of our bodies. Mm -hmm. uh, and I always wanted to say to this guy like, dude, this is like way bigger than art and you should stop like worrying about being an artist because the moment you start thinking about this from like a public health point of view or like a sustainability point of view is that it gets way more traction and actually your work becomes uh, a lot heavier as soon yeah. as you stop thinking about it in kind of like this conceptual place and you start thinking about it more in terms of like where the rubber hits the road and how this actually means something for people. Um, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, and, and actually I, I, I had a chance uh, to work at, at the Bloomberg School of Public Health with the Center for Livable Future, which is uh, an incredible you know, institution and, and it's one of the foremost food system think tanks in, in the entire world. And I had a, a professor, Jed Fahey, and, and we were talking about the gut microbiome. And, and it's 
literally probably the most crucial facet of, of our health and immune system. It all comes from um, your gut microbiome and, and these, these bacteria and these beneficial bacteria that, that really, um, you know, you get at birth. Ultimately, a lot of them are, are, are transferred, you know, from, from your mother and, and, and they, they do come, these natural localized bacteria, they come from what you're eating in, in, in these environments and that's why, you know, when you look at soil composition and, and, and the native species that you have um, in certain areas, um, it, it's exactly, you know, it, it's more seen in, the United States is an interesting category because we import a lot of our food and, and a lot of this is, is missing, but in, in, you know, you, you look at Italy, you look in Africa where, where people are really, the thing that they're eating their entire life is coming from the radius around them. Um, that, that has an, an immense effect on, on your health and, and, and the strength of your immune system. And I feel like, you know, a lot of the um, diseases and chronic illnesses we have are 100% connected to your diet. You know, it's, um, you know, it, changing the way you eat um, and, and what you put into your body is the absolute most important thing that, that you can do as, you know, a human, human being. And, Looking at you know America again, comparing us to other countries, um, again economically, we spend the least per capita out of any nation in the world per capita on food. So you look at there's this guy Carlo Petrini, who's who's the founder of the slow food movement. He's, he he mentioned this stat and he says if our if our bodies are a temple and you are what you eat, if you place more value on your material possessions, as in the United States, we spend more money on our clothes and, and whatnot than we do on our food. You value those things more than you value yourself. So I, I, I think that, that's a very like profound thing, you know, in, in the States. And, you know, the, the, the gut microbiome, and it, it's really fascinating, and, and we're really only scratching the surface of, of those effects. And, and it's exciting to see more... Um, public health professionals focusing on that as opposed to pharmaceuticals. Sure, it's like all the research that's spilled out even <laughs> in the last year, and and I've been kind of lightly reading about, you know, the gut microbiome and and cult, like cultures around the world that put like a premium on a spoonful of sauerkraut every day, or mm -hmm. kind of like. Um, all the other probiotic things that you that you need to like ingest on a regular basis to really keep like your stomach balanced but where that starts to like spill out into public health in like a greater sense i think people think about that and they think about people being skinny but they don't really get deep enough into the reading to understand the way that uh that influences mental illness and the way that that influences um your immune system and how it fights off um whether it's like uh, you know localized sickness or whether it's long-term illness that's kind of sitting as a potential inside of you know your body and whether or not it comes to the to the forefront or it doesn't has a lot to do with the way that your body can handle those like peaks when those type of things come up and what I think is really funny is it goes back to this whole like concept of like making decisions from your gut right yeah like, yeah <laughs> I mean, like it's funny yeah but it's also like, it, there's a lot to that. And I have a feeling that that old saying is going to have a lot more to it the deeper and deeper we go into understanding it. Because, it, I mean, that's true, right? Like, yeah. when, when based on the conversation you and I just had, you know, like, 
the better balanced your gut is, the better your decision making is going to be, right? Yeah. You know, like the better, the, you know, the more balanced your gut is, the more uh, balanced your brain is going to be because it's not spending uh, additional energy thinking about things that you don't even realize that your body is thinking about, which is what's wrong with this part of me or what's wrong with this part of me. Yeah. You know, it, it allows you to draw from a more holistic place when you're thinking about decision making or health or any of that kind of stuff yeah it's really simplistic you know in the words of there's a great kind of food activist in in the bronx his name is steve ritz and he's talking about the kids that, that he teaches and he says you have to be well fed to be well read you know and you look at especially these kids you know i've worked with you know kids in the city and in a lot of places you know it if you're not you know they they're coming to school they're they're they are not being fed they they're not getting breakfast how can you expect someone to, to function academically or, or in any sense? That's why it's like these core, focusing on core necessities is how you have major, major impact uh, and it ripples. Yeah. Man, what a great conversation. <laughs> we could go on forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I try and keep it down to a, to a commute for everyone that's listening. Yeah. JJ, um, before we go and before I heap a bunch of praise on you for your work in Baltimore, um, let everybody out there listening know uh, best way to reach you, what they might do it about, and like what's a good way to get involved and in, in, in what your efforts are going towards. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I encourage everyone to, to check us out online. You just It's urbanpastoral.co. And, and, and again, like I, I love when people stop by, and, and I love to show people what, what we're doing in Baltimore. And if you're you know, a community leader, you're an education, you're a real estate developer, um, we want to look to, I, I want everyone to think about, especially in, in, in spaces in Baltimore, to think about, is there a space, is there, is there a community um, that, that could benefit by bringing, you know, these agricultural hubs to their community? And people want to come by, we're, we're at the Human American Brewery Building, we love to, 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 to bring in kids and, and community leaders and, and whatnot to, to show them what we're doing um, and, and to collaborate. You know, I love working with entrepreneurs from you know, seemingly unrelated fields to see how we can collaborate just as you do, you know, with this program. So, you know, please reach out, you know, you can email me at, at JJ at urbanpastoral.co and, uh, you know, would love to chat with anyone. Awesome. Well, uh, JJ, on behalf of myself and the Startup Story community and the greater Baltimore community, definitely thanks for taking the time to talk with me today, but more so, you know, thanks for, 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 taking the, the chance and letting all of your great ideas, they're going to have such tremendous impact on our society. Thanks for letting them take root, no pun intended, uh, here in Baltimore, because I think that this is a city that desperately needs huge thinkers like you and, and your business partner. And uh, we need massive initiatives to help set us back up right. And I think that you, you are an, ex, an exceptional example of what is amazing about Baltimore and its business and startup community right now because it's not just all about the bottom line being the dollar. It's about this holistic point of view of what we can do as a society to deliver ourselves into a really incredible spot. And every day that I meet people like you, I'm more convinced that, you know, the secret of NIM is going to happen like right here in Baltimore. And, uh, and that's enough to like get me out of bed every single morning and, and have me like doing a, a plug air so uh so at any rate for that thank you very much oh yeah you know and and thanks for having me again that's it, to me it's an honor to be here and uh in, in baltimore and uh yeah it's it, it's an incredible city and you know look forward to 
to, to collaborating with uh, other entrepreneurs and future entrepreneurs out there. Awesome. Thanks. All right, guys. So that is it. Uh, another incredible interview on the Startup Soiree podcast. Uh, I encourage all of you to follow JJ's advice. Come check out this incredible building. You all know it. You may not know that you know it, but you definitely know it because it sits way up on the horizon of Baltimore. And if you've, if you've driven around the city, you've seen it and said, what is that crazy building up there? Uh, and how do I go in it? And you can, in fact, come in it. Um, come check out these, these containers growing microgreens in the back and get inspired. Um, if you haven't yet, please hit the subscribe button, whether it's on the iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or YouTube or all the other places we're sticking this podcast. Um, and if you have a spare moment, please head over to the iTunes store and leave us a quick review. Let the world know what it is that you find inspiring about this podcast so that way we can help scale the message and all the incredible things that people in our community are doing here in Baltimore City. Okay, until next time. Looking forward to seeing you all. Peace.